We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is out uh, handling post-game duties. We are recording this right after the game ended, so no rewatches. This is just our initial quick react. The Lakers fall 121-114 to to the Golden State Warriors on opening night in, Darius, what I thought was a roller coaster of a game that had some positives, but also some big red flags. I enjoyed watching a fully engaged Lakers team for all of the good and bad of that but um, LeBron and Anthony Davis were amazing Russ was not Uh, our defense was touch and go and when it was bad it was bad what are your initial takeaways from this first game so let's start with the positives because um, the end result was not a positive so let's start with the positives I thought LeBron looked fantastic and he looks ready to have another dominant season. Just right there. Like, I'm going to channel Mike early on, right? Like, just right there as a Lakers fan. Like, this result stinks, but I think you have to feel good about where LeBron is. I think the same is true for Anthony Davis, honestly. I thought AD looked great at everywhere except for the foul line, where he was pretty bad again, which dates back to last season. And if it continues, like, two or three weeks in, to the season, I'm going to start to be concerned about the foul shooting, honestly. Tonight, it was a lot of like in and out and like little back rim stuff. And so the shot looked good. It just didn't fall. And so, but it's something I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on. Another positive to me is I liked Baysmore defensively. And I thought he looked comfortable shooting the corner three. The other threes that he took, not so much. And he took a couple of late ones that were under duress. And um, those are never going to be as good as to set your feet ones. But look, man, like on the negative side, I thought the Lakers, their lack of depth or the injury issues, the very specific injuries that um, that they faced in this game can 
well, Kendrick Nunn was a game-time decision. He did not play. Um, Trevor Ariza's out. THT is out. Wayne Ellington is out. Um, I'm not sure how much Ellington would would have helped. Maybe another three-point shooter out there. I thought Monk looked fine for the most part. But um, And Ellington's not a defensive player. But I thought the potential, at least the potential of more wing defense from THT and Ariza, particularly Ariza for the potential. Again, I, I'm saying potential because we haven't seen Ariza. Um, but the potential of Ariza having some defensive versatility as well. Um, I thought that that mattered this game, particularly in in the second half. And when you think of the types of mistakes the Lakers made defensively, it was just the type of mistakes that players who are, who are not used to playing high-level defense or are not considered re- really like defensive players, those are the types of mistakes those those guys make. And honestly... I'm hard pressed to think that they're not going to make them for a lot of the season. Like this is just who they are, honestly. And the more and more we get it on tape, um, the more and more I think that the for some of these guys, that's just what it's going to be. Where are you at? I first want to separate the game into lineups that we would conceivably play on our Frankenstein lineups, right? Like some of... I, you know, I think we'll probably talk more about Russ in the, the second half of the pod, but our things kind of fell apart at the end of the first quarter and the third quarter. And one of the lineups that we played was Westbrook, Rondo, Monk. You would never play that trio together on purpose with Melo at the four. So you've got four below average to bad defensive players and AD at the five, right? And so it's this like hodgepodge. We saw Avery Bradley in the fourth quarter, which I actually think is probably something we may need to go to in the meantime, uh, kind of a defensive on ball guy who can, who can spot up, right? That, you know, there was an yes. instant familiarity with him. Like they went to that elbow series, like two or three possessions. Yes. And he was like, I've done this hundreds of times yeah, like, with, oh, these, with these guys. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. So, I think that he may see some playing time. I'd like to see us with at least none back. Obviously, you know, THT is a a couple weeks away. Trevor is a little bit longer. Even at looking at the roster before the season, we were like, eh, do we have enough defense? If we did, D, it was definitely going to involve those two players heavily and none as well, right? Like none's a, a good guy over the top of screen. So I'd like to see in separating those lineups, like... There were there was a lot of bad. You were tweeting about Mello, for example, and I think I think Mello is is defensively really problematic for this team. Um, but there's also a certain amount of like that lineup's not going to play or not something particularly close to it. Even if we just had one guy back, or even if I'm going to get greedy, give me one more guard and one of the wings that are out. And like I don't expect a perfectly healthy roster throughout the season, but I do think it would look more normal. But if we were teetering on the edge of do we have enough defense, I think the injuries have firmly placed us into putting these lineups out there that are like, that lineup does not have a chance to defend. And then, and then uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I'm not, which is not to say that all the lineups that aren't going to play played bad and all the lineups that we do want to play played well. Um, we saw Dwight, I, I thought, had difficulty. The Dwight and Mellow combo defending the perimeter, right? I yeah. really like Dwight defensively, but that's not a strength of his. And if he, that's one thing that we did not discuss a ton in the lead up to the season is defensively on the perimeter, Dwight and Mellow may be problematic. And I thought we saw that against Golden State shooters, particularly in that fourth quarter, which is where this game got away. 
Yeah, I think this. So look, stretch bigs are almost going to always give the Lakers problems. Like I think in an ideal world, you probably would have had AD on the stretch big, right? But um, the combo between AD, the the combo between Draymond and Bielitsa, and Draymond being such a key part of their offense as a screener and a facilitator and how you want AD sort of in the center of the frame um, defensively makes Draymond the natural place for him to defend. And they could have basically just gone away. Like if you flop that and you put um, whoever on Draymond and then put AD on Bielitsa to be more of a defensive presence on their shooter, they likely just go away from him. Right. And like park him in the corner, make AD more of a bystander defensively. And this is where like the Lakers not having that one extra defender. Right. And so down the stretch, there were a couple of possessions where I thought the Lakers finally figured something out where they said, okay, well, we'll put one of Avery Bradley or Bazemore on. Bielitsa, and even though Bielitsa then he made a little step back against Bradley when he posted him up, and there's some size stuff there. And again, man, like this is where just another like power forwardy or like sort of like six eight dude who can move around and do some stuff would potentially make a difference. Like just because against the Warriors specifically, I felt like the Lakers' first-half performance as a jump-shooting team masked... It was unusually good. We were hitting some jumpers in a way where it was... Yeah, that, that's we shouldn't expect that to be a regular thing. Yes, but also, too, like, there was a... There was a defensive pressure that... And then, like, a combination with some sloppiness that the Warriors exhibited that allowed the Lakers to get out in transition a little bit more. And even if that didn't always lead to baskets, I thought it it gave the Lakers more of a feel of like, this is how we can play to, yeah, to so win this game. I, I want to talk about that. Like I, I was, for a good portion of this game, I was encouraged and actually kind of thrilled with our defense right it wasn't perfect but it was like okay this we can work with this there's something to this and it really it was a part of that physicality of that we really rushed them the pace of the game for most of it was nuts and I thought that we kind of weren't able to sustain that now will we in the future I don't know right but I thought that when we were playing with that pace there's kind of a rushed quality and I'm so I was thrilled to see this style of play really put out there. I've been using that phrase so much lately of style of play, but it's really frenetic. It's yeah, a, yeah it's really like where, a different style of basketball. Where did you think or how did you think DeAndre fit in to that? Because I am not the biggest DeAndre fan. Like I think that like I, I, I haven't I don't think outright said that. Right. But but if you follow me on Twitter or online, like, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of his, but I thought he fit in fine. Yeah, he was good. And I thought in, in a group with those guys, he seemed to be able to hold up in the ways that you would want him to hold up. Whereas some of the other players did not hold up as well, even when flanked by comparable talent to the starting lineup that DeAndre got to play with, because he does benefit from playing from basically the Lakers four other best players around there. And at least like 
at the beginning of those moments, like LeBron and AD were dynamite defensively. So he is he is flanked by two forwards who can really cover for him in ways that that made a difference. But I thought I don't want to say impressed by him, but he was at least like a neutral to a slight positive. And, and that was, I thought, a key part of the game, because some of the other lineups that you discussed, they were not able to do nearly anything positive enough defensively. And for a coach who wants to play defense, like I thought it was telling that he's like, okay, Avery Bradley, like you're going to play. Yeah. Tonight. You've been here two days. Like, like yeah. In the game in this fourth quarter, you just got picked up off, off of waivers and you're, you're one of the closing five in a game. The Lakers clearly want to win. It's, it was, it was a choice. And a choice that um, I'm not in post game right now, like like as we're recording, Mike Mike is. But I'll be very interested to hear if that's a question that gets put to Vogel about Bradley specifically and the choice to go to him down the stretch as a fifth defender. I'm guessing it had to do with the Warriors being very perimeter oriented, but it's. It's clear then that you trust him on defense in ways that like no other player who was on the roster four days ago would have been trusted. Right. And that's a little bit telling to me. It is. And I but I think it's appropriate. I think that it's, you know, we've been playing bad basketball. We are a new team playing a new style that on a roster that we have questions about, especially on the defensive end. And all of that is a recipe for poor defense when you stack the injuries on top of it, right? I think that we are short-term in a trying to resolve some some very serious issues with the roster as a result of the injuries on top of just the construct with it as well. So I think we're going to have to do some kind of weird things to tread water for the time being. If Because I don't think personally that putting out those Russ, Rondo, Monk, Mello type of lineups are... Like we're not going to be able to survive those lineups. We're going to have, and that's what a lot of this game was, man. Is like the starters, they played fine, right? They, it was with when it comes to DeAndre, we used him to trap a lot. We trapped and scrambled a lot, which is a big part of the pace. And I, I thought he did a good job of that. He did a good job of like of his, uh, you know his help responsibilities along the baseline in particular. He was slow in the third quarter and closing out and rotating to shooters, which is kind of like what you are going to get with that. I thought like, I thought he was good. I thought, or he was fine. I think that his type of player is almost like openly hostile to Russell Westbrook's style of play. Sure. Uh, So let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's let's talk a little bit of Russ. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Russ was bad in this game, and I I'm, don't want to... Make no, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not, we're not going to sugarcoat like it. it. We're not even going to, I think, give the caveat of, oh, well, rest starts slow. And like, like, honestly, like that's a different conversation for another night. We're in a post game right now. And let's talk about the game. And he played bad. He did. And so he was a minus 25. I think he had six points, five boards and three assists and was just very kind of lost in finding his way. I thought he got a couple rough whistles, should have gotten to the line a couple of times more than he did. But, um, his so we go big we start with with dj it remains to be seen if that is a uh a long-term thing when the wings come back but i've been like i and i think we saw this today and we saw this with ad as well this is a recipe for jump shots if i'm the defense and i see across from me russ and baysmore lebron dj and anthony davis I'm just going to I'm going to put five bodies in the paint whenever possible. Oh, man, you are setting up shop in there. Like, let's build a table. Let's order takeout. 
we we're gonna we're gonna sit let's get comfortable my guy that's right that's right and then the non-starting lineups that russ played with mostly were there was a sequence d where like russ drove and kicked to rondo yeah on one play and he missed a spot up three and it wasn't like a spot up it was one of those where you're sliding because the guy's driving toward you and so your feet are moving right your feet aren't stable those are harder harder threes to shoot and so russ drove and kicked to rondo on one of those those are shooter shots rondo misses it then vice versa on the next play russ misses a three off of a drive and kick and i'm like this isn't gonna like russ and rondo like they can't that's not going to work. I understand we have injuries and, and, but I thought that the vast majority of his minutes, I thought it was, I thought it was illustrative of the idea that we were talking about over the summer of that. Like you have to cater to Russ because in, in that you have to, you have to create conditions for him to be able to do what he does because he, he cannot go to plan B. He cannot, Anthony Davis had a great jump shooting night. Anthony Davis doesn't always have great jump shooting nights, right? So this is what it looks like with that. With Russ, I, I, I feel like a lot of his minutes tonight were in those lineups that are, that are again, played, like, it's very look, antithetical to what he does. He played in the worst lineups that are probably, like, the worst lineups for him. And he didn't shoot well enough in order to compensate for that. Right. And so if he shot as what if he had an outlier jump shooting night, a la LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and both of them probably had outlier jump shoot shooting nights, the Lakers probably win this game. Yes. And the narrative around Russ probably hasn't changed, but it's sort of a, huh, he's not going to shoot this well every night, but it worked this game. Right. And it's sort of a take a wait and see look for him. But the flip side of that is what you just said, that these are not ideal conditions. And we understand those to be not not ideal con- well conditions. And hoping for an outlier jump shooting night from, from Russell Westbrook is like hoping, I don't want to say like it's hoping like you're going to win the lottery, but it's like the, the, those are not odds that so, are going to be in your favor. I mean, you can, you can hope for that on any individual night, but over the course of 82, you're not going to get it. No, you need to plan appropriately for yes. what he is. So so here's the thing though is and this is more of a philosophical question and so I'll pose it now but we may have to couch this for when Mike is actually here because I'd like to have a more spirited conversation with with more input around this but there's an argument to be made that LeBron and AD, what you saw from LeBron and AD tonight is basically why the Lakers should be considered title contenders, regardless of what the roster construction is around them, to a certain extent, right? Because they can be that good and they can be that impactful. And catering to them or allowing them to sort of do what they do and not necessarily worrying about the more limited player that's on your team, who is a third star, but is more limited than them. There's an argument to be made like, okay, well, sure, let's play the Let's play through LeBron. Let's play through AD. But there is a different side to that too. So I want I want you to jump in now. But, but do, do we want him to be a third star? Because right. if we want him to be a third star, it's not going to be his jump shooter. It's not going to be with the paint packed. It's yeah. not going to be next to Rondo. Right? And so, like, LeBron James, 
I dare you to come up with a game plan to make LeBron James not look like a superstar or Anthony Davis when he's locked in like this, right? And yeah. that, so that's the point. Like, no, it's not the best thing for LeBron and Anthony Davis. We were texting before the game, right, about like who we'd be matching up with on Golden yeah. State. It was a really fun conversation. And we were talking about the defensive roles. And your point was like, well, Golden State gets into a ton of four-on-three short roll situations because they've got all these great shooters. you got to send two on the ball. And you want LeBron on sprinting up to that short roll guy because that's what he's best at. And my counter was like, that's true, but you actually probably – and so that would mean LeBron on who, – who would that be in that situation? Like Wiggins probably because Wiggins. he's weak side wing. Right? right. Thank you. Thank you. And so – uh I was I was saying like you probably need DJ in like in that role where he's guarding Draymond. That's what it was. We were discussing Le- LeBron on Draymond or DJ on Draymond. And it's yeah. like you know, DJ doing that, he can trap the ball and then that puts you into a ro- but like you have to cater the lineup to the weakest player because you can't ask DJ to be like, oh, you go take two on the weak side yes. and cover, go cover either either the wing three or the corner three. That's it. And so that for me, if you flip that argument to Russ yep. is like, obviously LeBron and AD are better players than he is. But if we want that third star, that productivity of a third star, we need to give him the space to operate in because he will not be a third star if he's a jump shooter. And how often did he get to the rim in this game? Which is not to say that that is, that he is not part of the reason for that. And it's all the conditions around him. Not saying that at all, but that these conditions, this is why I've been so adamant about maximizing the spacing around him because you will get very different players from him if he's a jump shooter versus one that can get all the way to the rack. So here's the thing. And I agree with all that, of course. It's why you and I do this podcast is is we see things through a similar lens. And, and what you just said is 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 not just um, viable, but smart. The thing that is lacking on this team, and I mentioned it in the first half of the pod then, is who is going to be, who's going to be the other front court player, basically, right? Like, who is the fifth starter then? Because there is a lot of options on this team for the fifth starter, and all of them basically make the minimum or are Kendrick Nunn, right? Or are hurt right now. And like, there are not very many good solutions for that all around player that you really want in, in that spot. When we were talking about this earlier, I had mentioned that like the heat version, the heat era, Shane Battier, Right. The guy. And I, I honestly think that's why the Lakers signed Trevor Ariza, because it it is in theory. And the Warriors are a perfect example of why this specific position guy matters. Right. Because in in a certain scenario, you want to be or you want to be able to deploy LeBron and A.D. onto the either the most the defensive matchup that either they could be most impactful in or that you want to rest them on, right? Like, it's basically that simple. And, like, the resting on is more of a LeBron issue than than an AD issue, but 
You want to be able to say, okay, like in this game, for example, against the starting against the Warriors starting lineup, what you really wanted was someone who could defend Wiggins, right? Because then you could have put LeBron on Looney or on Draymond, and and you could have put AD on the other one, Looney or Draymond, and then you could have had someone defend Wiggins, right? But there was no other guy to put on Wiggins. There's no one currently even available to the Lakers. Like the the next the guy who's even Wiggins sized is Carmelo Anthony. Do you trust Carmelo Anthony to guard Andrew Wiggins? I don't. Absolutely right? not. Do you trust Malik Monk too? No, he's too small. Right. And so go on and on and on down the list, and you probably were not going to find a good solution. Maybe the best solution was Russell Westbrook, but I actually liked his size on Jordan Poole a little bit, and I liked being able to deploy Bazemore on Steph Curry, and I thought he did a pretty good job on Steph, right? And so the idea of the fifth starter to me is super important just from a defensive versatility standpoint, because what you probably, what you really want is that guy to be able to space the floor some, ideally, and take and have enough defensive versatility to at least guard two positions, right? Like, can you guard the power forward from the other team? and Or can you guard the small forward? Or can you guard the power forward? Or can you guard the center, right? And right now, the Lakers do not have that player healthy right now. Ariza may be that player. But besides that, that player is not on the roster. And my point is, it'd be nice to have a guy like that on on the roster, and that means he's probably going to be in between six eight and six ten, and have whatever offensive skill set you want to give, give him, but preferably can shoot the three and has enough defensive wiles to say, okay, we'll guard one of these two spots. And there's a hole there right now. There is, there is. I think that Ariza is probably in, intended for that. I think he's the guy that bridges the idea of proper spacing around Russ with Vogel's proclivities of wanting size and 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 even it's not even just Vogel's proclivity. Like this is something you've been pointing out that idea of needing a power forward to do power forwardy things. And a generation ago, Ariza was a three, but. I think Ariza is a big three, like having a big three with a small ball five, quote unquote, is ideal, right? You, you want that size. You want the ability to do all that, that you said there. Now, there's que- a question of if the plan is to re- rely that heavily on a Trevor Ariza this deep into his career, like we shouldn't be too surprised. Like, oh, Trevor Ariza is hurt and that yeah. perhaps he shouldn't yeah. be the only one like that. And the alternate to that is Carmelo Anthony, who can hit a pull up three in transition and can triple threat, you know, score out of a triple threat position. But defensively, man, like I Mello, I I don't know, man. I, I don't see I don't see where that I, I don't see the future version of that where it's like, oh, we can get him in this defensive role that works where it can. I, no, I, I don't know. Melo is a guy, and I think you pointed this out a couple of pods ago, where you really need four other defenders around Melo. Yeah. Right. And. Yeah. Good luck. Like, like I thought Melo had some really good moments offensively this this game. I also thought he. He chucked a little bit, but that's yeah. His first shift was yeah, right. But he hit like there was that stretch in the I think in the third quarter where they went up ten and then they gave it away pretty pretty quickly. It's like they got hot on the slot, 
like on the slot machine and then they started to do max bet a couple of times i was like oh where'd my winnings go <laughs> <That's> right, right? <laughs> it's like oh they're all gone um so that's not not it either but i want to get back to russ a little bit because i think we we diverted some away from from him and he's going to be a super obviously he's going to be a super important player for for the lakers and and optimizing him is is important I do I do wonder where Vogel's head is on that optimizing Russ versus like, okay, well, I need someone else who can do like sort of defensive things on the floor for me that we value, right? Besides LeBron and AD. And DeAndre can be big. He can rebound, he can box out the other team's big, and then he's going to run the floor. And those are all things that Vogel values. Like, And he can, we can talk around this idea all that we want, but like, the Lakers are still going to need someone else who can do other things that Vogel values enough then to promote him into the lineup over DeAndre Jordan, right? And, but... How critical do you think that is for Russ? Because this game, it looked a little uneasy. I think it's crucial for Russ. I think this is why I've been... Darius, this is year three of the Vogel era. Yeah. At no other point have I been this adamant. AD has to play the five. There's no other season where it's been this way. I see the value of two bigs, and I see the value of being able to win those physical battles and all of that. With Russ in particular, there the there are routes to him being really productive in this environment. And there are environments where you turn him into a jump shooter that doesn't have space to work with. And there there's a lot of those too. It's very easy to do. And so I think that it's absolutely crucial. I and you know, after one game and he's been here a couple of days, but if you want somebody who can defend and provide some degree of spacing, Avery Bradley would be an example, like Bradley and Bazemore along with our big three, right? That's, that gives you guys who can defend, who can provide some degree of physicality. You're smaller for sure, but I get what you're saying in terms of being able to provide help defensively. And DJ was pretty good in this one, but even in that third quarter, man, like a lot of those threes that, ended up like that's a weakness in his game and that's not just true of him that's something that we couldn't get JaVale to do that we could and playing the scrambling frenetic style of play that is so antithetical to what those big seven foot guys are good at in the first place that maybe they'll win some some possessions but over the long haul that's a really difficult style of play for that type of player to play and so in with respect to Russ, I think this is super important, and that's why I've been banging this drum so much over the course of, of this offseason, is that I think that we get very different versions of Russ depending on what we put around him. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where things go from from here. I would bet with Aiton on deck, right, the next game, that we're going to see another big lineup. I do like, too. And um, I'll be very interested and hopeful that none can play the next game because I want to see some semblance of like is Rondo and I don't want to blame this on Rondo. Like I thought Rondo played okay. Um, 
it's it's just that there are and I wouldn't mind still giving Rondo a shift if he can if it's like with LeBron and AD like with yeah, LeBron LeBron's, and AD LeBron is the guy to play him with LeBron, Rondo and Russ that's a totally different yeah well yeah. I'm just saying that like LeBron and AD and and look I'm not in Vogel's head but I could understand where he was going right oh it's same, it's, same. it's it's sort of just like hey we need Russ to play a little bit more off of the ball. We need a little bit more ball handling and, and shot creation in here. Normally, this would probably be none playing playing with Russ. And then on top of that, he might be saying, well, AD and Rondo have this really great connection. But those lineups bled points too often. And they were not engaged enough defensively and... Like one of the things that was very noticeable to me in in the second half is that especially in the fourth quarter, the game slowed down. And when it slowed down, the Lakers were not able to generate any of that sort of frenetic pace. And the way that you can do that from nothing is by ramping up your defense. Defense. Yeah. And they didn't have enough defense out there. And that's really where this game was lost to me. Like we can point at Russ and Russ had some issues defensively as well. He got lost on a couple of back cuts, uh, like the Warrior split cut cut action gave gave him some some issues on a couple of possessions where he lost Jordan Poole once. Um, he lost Damian Lee another time, and I think he committed a foul on that swipe down on Wiggins, and then he got a technical foul, arguing right. And, and so there were definitely some bad rush rush possessions and offensively I just thought he had a rough night and that comes down to some lineup stuff but but in the end like the Lakers are going to need to defend they need to find more guys who can do it and if you're going to play this many non-defensive players then they need to shoot better than they shot from the floor tonight and and, and look, the line you, yeah like like you can't have it both ways like you can't be like oh well we're trying to trot out these great offensive lineups and then basically go like 15 for 42 from three Bazemore went two for eight again ad took five of them braun was five for 11 like i like that so to be fair monk and carmelo went two for four each. So that's pretty good production from them. But big picture, man, you probably need four or five makes from one of those guys. To me, it's more, it has more to do with the, the defense than yes. anything else. Like, yes. yeah, the, the jumpers, I, I think that, again, I think we're creating conditions for jumpers for our worst jump shooters in a lot of respects. But again, I, that's something we'll continue to discuss. But yeah, d defensively is where because when we were creating stops, we were creating turnovers. We were, and that's why I don't want to end this pod totally pessimistic or no, me or negative. There were longer stretches of this game where it was like, okay, we've got something defensively of being physical and forcing turnovers and you know, kind of creating havoc. I, I saw the emergence or the beginnings of a defensive identity that we don't quite have the personnel for yet, but there's something to work off of, but we still have a lot of work to do. This was a step in the right direction, uh, but we got a lot of work left to do. We'll be here to cover all of that and more on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers.
Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.